This is the way I start shows. I say, hey, guys, it's me, Alex. Or I go, hey, guys, it's me, Alex, in what I call the Alex Cast voice. Many people have asked, and by many I mean in upwards of two, where did that come from? I have no good answer. I was just started to do a weird voice, I guess. I don't... I can tell you. Sorry. Um, I can't really explain it. That's it. Hey, guys, it's me, Alex. It's how the show starts. It's as familiar as... 14 Northeast, 22nd. I say it in that voice, because that's what the standard is. That's the bar that sponsors my show. I don't know if you're aware of that. You should be if you listen to the show. If this is your first episode of the show, you'll be like, hey, why did that guy just say that thing? It's because that's the bar that sponsors the show, the standard. Facebook.com slash the standard PDX. Look, I did a plug. Fantastic. Look at me being a conscientious citizen that gives creed to his sponsors. Huzzah. Huzzah, indeed. So, I am here after a long break. Well, not a long break. I had the last episode I put on the feed was uh, myself and Lillian, our first foray into dual podcast ship, which we are calling the Inanimate Carbon Pod, which is a show that is purely about The Simpsons. Now, if you've listened to this show before, you know when I say something is purely about anything or I'd like to talk about something, generally it does not actually happen. Uh, I'll say, hey, let's talk about the crisis in the Middle East, and then I'll get dis distracted and talk about um, hidden chambers at the Pyramids of Giza, because that's the way, as the kids say, I roll. I don't know if the kids still say that. I don't know if they ever said that. I'm very, very old. So, this is an Alex cast of some variety. I wanted to record something. This actually might be a short one. I don't know. But, this is Sunday night, and I have uh, been off from work since Wednesday. Well, I went to work on Wednesday. Then Thursday was what we Americans call Thanksgiving, where we give thanks to... I'm not really sure. Um, I guess it's God. I, I'm not... Like, or maybe, it's either God or the natives that, like, helped us um, not starve to death. Which, you know, bad move on their part. That didn't work out well. But, yeah, so Thanksgiving was Thursday. And then after Thanksgiving, you get the day off because, you know, four-day weekend. Yay! And then Saturday and Sunday, as we normally have off. I didn't need to explain that to you, but I did. You know why? Because I am talking to a microphone by myself and... You know, you just say what comes to mind. I don't like vacations. I don't like holidays. They don't work well for me. Um, I like vacations in that I don't have to go to work. But I do very poorly at um, maximizing my vacationness of of uh, funning it up, as as um, as would be said if people said things like funning it up. So I did fuck all um, over the 
over the Thanksgiving break. And I felt bad because I was going to, uh, this is an admission to all of you, and you can know how terrible I am as a, as a, as a person and a son. I meant to call my parents, uh, uh, meant to call my mom uh, on, on Thanksgiving because that is, that is kind of the, the thing you're supposed to do. However, I didn't get to it, because I did actually go to a Thanksgiving gathering at a place that I shall not name, and uh, I didn't get to it. Then the next day, I was going to call her, and it turns out that I was sad and didn't want to leave the couch. Not that calling her would involve leaving the couch, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Then by the time Saturday rolled around, I felt kind of shitty about not calling, and then that shitty made me unable to call, and the same thing happened today. Now, I'm four days afterwards, and I feel quite the cad. This happens most holidays, but usually I get around to actually calling, and now I don't really know what to do. I, um, I think I might call when I walk home from work tomorrow, and hope that works. I don't know, though. Maybe you can tell me. You can interact with me, at the AlexCast on Twitter. Alex, I spell with two X's. I don't tell you guys that enough, because uh, maybe I do, I don't know. Um, but not a lot of people interact anymore, so if you're one of those people that does not interact and you have a Twitter account, please join me in the fun. The fun mostly is me talking about how uh, completely depressing and awful my life is. But, you know, fun. Depression is fun. Yay! Look at that. Existential angst. Woo! Let us raise some kind of flag in the air with um, E-A on it. Existential angst. Woo! B. Existential angst. B. Existential angst. E-X, I'm not going to do that whole thing, but uh, yes, so we're here, it's Sunday night, and I'm talking to a microphone, uh, there will be another episode of the Inanimate Carbon Pod, it will come out next week, by next week I mean next month, by next month I mean sometime soon, uh, stay tuned at the Inanimate Pod, I think, I don't know, I haven't set it all up, who gives a shit, Alex, let's just move on to things you want to talk about. I cracked the mic for two reasons. I have watched the recommended binge TV shows for uh, the recent times. Those two binge TV shows are The Man in the High Castle and Jessica Jones. It might be called AKA Jessica Jones. Um, who cares? Let's start with Man in the High Castle. Man in the High Castle is the story of a a world, 1962, uh, quote-unquote, America. But America is not America, for the Nazis had won World War II. The country is cut into thirds. One is the Pan-Pacific states, one is the Nazi states, and in the middle there is the neutral zone, much like um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It is an engaging show to start, and you get really deep into it. And that's all I'm leaving it, because I don't want to get spoilers, and I'm just going to say this. The ending of that show was fucking terrible. It was just... You could not be left more in want. They were spinning their wheels like a motherfucker, because I guess they wanted a certain number of episodes, but I read that book when, when I was younger. Not that, not that I can remember it. I can't quote it, you know book, chapter, verse. I can't even quote it. But I do know it wasn't particularly long, and how long they tried to make the show based on the book was kind of stupid. It should have been, I think, I think the show is 10 episodes long. They could have had a satisfying 
ending within 10 episodes. Not to say there's a satisfying ending to the book or the show, but the ending that they left, or the end, the season finale, was garbage. So, for people out there, if you were like, oh, I want to watch Man in the High Castle, don't. I mean, you can if you like things that have depressing, not depressing, just disappointing endings, because this one does, as previously referenced. Yay me. Moving on. Jessica Jones. I enjoyed Jessica Jones. It was fun. It was a Marvel product. It uh, follows the life of uh, one Jessica Jones, which should not be surprising from the title. She is a hard-drinking detective lady, and um, she also happens to have superpowers. And uh, the show uh, follows her around for a little bit as she is dealing with the kind of PTSD aftermath of the run-in with the lead villain fellow. I'm, I'm leaving details uh, obscure purposely because I actually think this is a fun, not a fun show, but a good show to watch. What struck me about the show is that, um, now I don't remember the name of this, but I think it's the, it's the Bechdel test, the Becknell test. It's that there's this thing in, in cinema and, and TV where I think it's the Bechdel test. Let's just pretend it's that. If you type that into Google, I'm sure it's close enough, uh, where it's a test of basically, um, how kind of prominent a role women play in the show. And there's, like, multiple questions in the test. So basically it's like, uh, are there multiple fully fleshed women characters? Do they talk to each other? If they talk to each other, are they only talking about the male characters? Which seems to be um, the common thread in a lot of things, where it's kind of under underutilization of, you know, fully formed female characters. And Jessica Jones did this with with just exceptionally, to the point that I think if there was a reverse Bechdel test, which I'm now calling it, uh, it would fail in that men don't talk to each other, and if the men are talking to each other, they're only talking about the female character, which is kind of good, I, I think, especially given it's a ostensibly a, a superhero property. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I think that's pretty neat in a kind of representative that we actually are living in the third millennium kind of thing, you know, um, as much as there is still vast amounts of inequality between betwixt men and women. And I'm certainly not trying to say that things are equal. It is, I just think it's kind of cool that there's this kind of, um, it's not really spoken about. Like, it's just, oh, this is like a cool Marvel thing. Like, like dude dudes can get behind this, but it's actually, you know, rather kind of pro lady thing. Not even pro lady thing. Like, uh, that was so worded poorly. I live in Portland. You're not allowed to say things. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's feminist without being kind of overtly third wave angry feminist. Um, it's, you know, it just, it treats women as humans, which is kind of the way that I, I like to live where it's like, oh, you don't have to like really like make a big deal out of it. You're just, you're a person. Like, I don't, I don't want you to treat me as a male. Like I want you to treat me as like a human. And that's, you know, let's just do that for ladies as well. And then, you know, then it's done and everything's good. So it did that. And um, it did it in a way that um, it seems like kind of dude bros would be into because it's, uh, you know, a Marvel property. And there's, there's you know, superpowered people punching each other and whatnot. Now, so uh, I very much enjoyed that aspect of the show. The other thing I didn't like, and this is also on the feminist uh, 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 side of the coin, 
I'm, I'm vacillating on how much I can say without giving too much away about the show, but uh, Jessica's story arc very much calls back to a kind of PTSD thing based around a, I guess, I guess a, a rape-esque scenario. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but I, I don't want to give too much away and to say more than that would give away. So um, she's suffering from the um, kind of aftershocks of something, uh, you know, kind of mentally scarring in a, in a uh, sexually oppressive a relationship to then not a relationship but you know the uh the bad guy that falling through is very much that person so she's trying to recover from that while simultaneously you know dealing with him in the real world and which is fine it's actually a pretty effective thing but uh when i was you know just going back with the this is kind of a pro woman like yay this is actually like a good show the truth woman has like actual equal people it may have been like a little easy to like do the the kind of PTSD recovering from a sexual trauma thing for a woman character. It's, I mean, obviously that's something that happens and it is, it's, it's not good in the slightest, but when you're trying to write a character, I just think it might be a little easy and it's a little too stereotypical. Like it's, it's, it's up there with, uh, uh, the war veteran that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, still got nightmares about what he did during the war where, uh, it's just this, it's a little too much of a trope. And it's a little too much of like, you know, kind of just takes the character down a little bit. It takes away from some of the depth. But other than that, I dug it. Um, David Tennant, uh, for, as you might know from, uh, I think his most famous role is Barty Crouch Jr. from uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. He also played some doctor thing on, on, on the BBC. I don't really remember. Doctor something or other. Medical drama, I suppose. Uh, David Tennant was fantastic as the bad guy. Uh the um uh luke cage if you know the comic books uh, is in it as well um the actor who plays luke cage is fantastic i don't know anybody's name other than david tennant and that's just because i've watched previous shows i don't i don't know the name of jessica jones i don't know the name of luke cage i don't know the name of jessica's friend or the other guy or the guy or the other guy because i don't know fuck all about actors names but it's well worth the watch if you have Netflix, because it is a Netflix original series, and I'm uh, excited to watch more. Oh, and, and and this, just because I was very progressive and feminist just recently, I just, like, the, let me ruin that a little bit. Rosario Dawson shows up in this, and motherfucker, she looks good. Um, she's a lady of a certain age at this point. Um, I don't know how old Rosario Dawson is, but I would suppose she's in her 40s, right? I'm not going to look it up. But, like, she's been around for a while. And she looks really good, and it's and it's actually kind of annoying that she like like how long she can like be around and still look wonderful. So I'm giving her a thumbs up, but I'm also annoyed because I never got to look good, and she's got like like two decades of it. So congratulations, Rosario. Also, jerk. But um, she does a good enough job. I mean, she's just kind of she's only in it for a couple episodes, playing the same character she does from the um, Daredevil program, you know the throughput between the two shows uh the next show up i think is supposed to be iron um not iron fist uh luke cage might be the next one up and then iron fist is supposed to be there and then another daredevil and there's a uh, punisher as well which there may have been a punisher reference in jessica jones i'm not entirely sure i don't know the comics that well but either way looking forward to more of it uh i hope it gets a second season uh, i hope uh it does some crossovers with the daredevils there because that's that was pretty good um 
the Daredevil. You should watch that. I think I've talked about it on the show probably every time I've had a geek on. But, yep, that's me catching up with my uh, binge watching because I had days off from work and I have depressive issues and I just decided to just watch shows and over and over again and pretend it's like real people in my apartment and that everything isn't horrible and every moment isn't horrific and alone. <laughs> that's really... I'm going to take a sip of beer. Hold on a second. Oh, sweet baby liquor, you'll, you'll make the pain go away. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, so, there's that. There's your TV updates that I wanted to watch. Now, this was pretty much my entire episode. However, uh, it's I'm going to at least do a little bit more, because this is probably going to be a short run. Mostly because it's, like, too... Well, I mean, it's not late at night, but it's late enough that I should not be talking to a microphone by myself. This is... A series of things I found on the internet. I don't remember if I've ever played this before. It's from a while ago, but anyway, we're going to play it. This is the Epic Gilgamesh, read in um, uh, the original language, uh, Akkadian. So, uh, let's give this a listen. Itbema Gilgamesh, shunatam ipashar, isakaram ana ummishu, ummi inashat mushitiya, Shamharkuma attanalak inabirit eklutim Ipsirunima kakabushamai Kisrum shaanim imkutam anatseria Ashishuma iktabitelia Unisuma nushashu ul eltei Urukmatum pachir elishu Eklutum unashakushepeshu Umidma puti imiduyati Ashiashuma Adbalashu Anatseriki Ummi Gilgamesh Mudeyat Kalama Isakaram Anagilgamesh. I'm stopping there just because I was waiting for him to say Gilgamesh and like that Gilgamesh. Um, so that's what the Indian Gilgamesh would have sounded like in its original language. Uh, I feel like I've played this before, but I don't care. Um, I do slightly care. That's why I just said I don't care, because I'm trying to point out that I don't care. Like, Icona Pop's famous song, I Don't Care, I Love It. Uh, interesting to listen to. I liked hearing Gilgamesh. But it, to me, as a person that's read this book before, it's interesting to hear, like, the way the kind of syllables break up, because some of the words are silly in English. Like, um... His friend is uh, is Enkidu, which is very silly and childlike. But um, or uh, the the monster in the woods is Humbaba, which is I mean it sounds like a it sounds like a like a baby trying to breastfeed like Baba. But uh, you know in Gilgamesh, I mean the Gilgamesh. But when you hear the kind of stutter step, it's probably like Enkidu or uh, Humbaba. Like it didn't help at all. Because I can't speak Akkadian, but more pointing out that the pronunciation could actually, the way that it stresses the words, could carry a lot more weight. Which I found really interesting, because, um, I mean, frankly, a monster called the Humbaba is really stupid. But, you know, in that kind of uh, Akkadian uh, rhythm, I think it could, you know, sound a little bit evil. Maybe like a, a monster called Fluffykins. But, you know, if it's spoken in the original English, Fluffykins is actually a really evil-sounding word. <laughs> I, I don't... Honestly, I don't even know what that means. 
Uh, <laughs> the monster Fluffykins. Uh, so these, uh, the other thing I found was, uh, of the, of the same, um, thematic concerned, uh, the UCSB Cylinder Audio Archive. This is, um, a library from UCSB, which is obviously the University of, <clears throat> and, um, it, it, uh, digitized a bunch of wax cylinders, which you may recall if you ever heard about the history of sound, this is kind of the thing that recorded sound before the record, uh, Edison is famous for it. So, um, uh, yeah, so I found a bunch of them. So I'm going to, uh, let's just grab something at random. Um, well, this one says recorded in cannabula, in cannabula, which I've seen that word before. And I don't think I've ever said it out loud. So this is a program featuring some of the rarest, earliest, and most fascinating recordings you're ever likely to encounter, curated by collector John Levin. All right, let's, let's click on this. Introduction, very long. Curator's notes, even longer. Lots of stuff. Okay, here we go. We got Glover Cleveland March by some kind of band, Blind Tom Brilliant Quartet. This Negro shout with its traditional column response structure provides a feel... Okay, well, I think we have to listen to that. This is from... 1894. The So I, I, I like in the beginning he introduced, I don't know, it's obviously tough to hear because they're old uh, phonographic cylinders, but he introduced it as the uh, the Columbia uh, Phonograph Company, which is Columbia Records, you know, which is the early kind of thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also have um, operatic cylinders. Do we want that? Pioneers of Audio Theater. All right, let's click on this and see what happens. Shall we, people? We shall. Let's see, we have The Auto Race by Edison Concert Band, Congressman Filkin's Homecoming. Um, Uncle Josh's Huskin B, Pedro the Hand Organ Man, <laughs> Sheriff's Sale of a Stranded Circus. Right, I think I think we gotta go with uh, Sheriff's Sale of a Stranded Circus. Let's see what this sounds like. Two minutes and 24 seconds, which I'm probably not gonna play the whole thing. This is a year release from the Edison Phonograph Monthly, version 6, from 1908 and 1909. Descriptive scene with animal noises and band. Sheriff's Sale of a Stranded Circus by Spencer and Gerard, Edison Records. <laughs> Get it, 
Take that laughing hyena home and you can laugh at your horrible jokes. Ha <laughs> Everybody, let's laugh together. Uh, your jokes are terrible. Yeah, well, your jokes are even worse. Let's sell that. One dollar fifty. One dollar fifty. What are you going to do with all those animals? Wow. That is some really good jokes. <laughs> all right. Sorry. I'm going to play one more because, I look, I understand that you guys are probably bored as fuck, but this is probably my favorite thing I've ever gotten to listen to. We're going to listen to, um, let's go with Robin Hood, Oh Promise Me by Reginald D. Coven, Marie Rappold, Soprano. This is Edison Blue Emerald. Alright, come on, get on with it. I'm trying to do a podcast here. Cylinder 1527. I would just let that play for a while, but fuck that one. Let's play something that isn't terrible. Uh, we've got, let's see, Er Del Edu by Giuseppe Verde Glochtaner, which is weird because half of that was French, the other half was German. I don't know. We're playing it. Othello de Verdi, Er des Adieux, chanté par Monsieur Gluck de l'Opéra Comique, record Edison. <laughs> Adieu, brave guerrier, adieu. 
Fantastic. Those are some uh, things. Cylinders. Wax cylinders. Cylinders of wax. God bless all of you. That's that. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I certainly didn't. I thought all of it was shit. The fact is, we're doing a fucking podcast. Speaking of doing a podcast, the only reason I can still do this podcast, well, not the only reason, there's a number of reasons. If you're going to buy stuff uh, for Halloween... <laughs> for christmas this year and if you're gonna buy it through amazon go to alexcast.com and if you turn your ad block off and on the right you're gonna see uh if you're not on a mobile device if you're on a mobile device it's totally at the bottom but you can see an amazon link before you buy anything at amazon click that link maybe clear your cookies first i don't know i remember people saying that back in the day clear your cookies click on that link and then uh and then it'll bring you to amazon and then buy shit on amazon as you would and i will get a very small amount of your purchase uh, not a small amount of the actual items you purchase. Like, I'm not going to get, like, one-twentieth of your stereo. I will get one-twentieth of well, far less than that of the purchase price of your stereo, and you won't have to pay a red cent extra. That will give me money to keep buying the shit that breaks in the studio if you, for some reason, enjoy this garbage show. Remember that. So, if you're buying shit on Amazon, click on the Amazon link on AlexCast.com. Uh, reminder also that there are AlexCast shirts available uh, go to Amazon and search for AlexCast, and you'll see t-shirts. They say the AlexCast logo on it with the words AlexCast, and then you could wear them and show your pride in the aforementioned AlexCast. Terrific. The other thing that happens to keep the show going is The Standard, which I referenced earlier, facebook.com slash thestandardpdx. It is a bar in town. It's lovely. I was at there earlier. They had $3 microbrews. It's fantastic. $3 for microbrew on Sundays. Wonderful. Uh, they have uh, Monopolova Mondays, where cheap Monopolova. They have uh, Hams Wednesday, which is uh, hams for a dollar. Uh, Saturdays are um, Jim Bean and a beer for five bucks, which, I mean, that's like old school shit. That's like, you can get that price back in like 19 Dickety 2. We used to say dickety because the Kaiser had stolen our word for 20. No, Alex. That's a quote from The Simpsons. That's for your other show. Good point. 14 Northeast 22nd is where you can find them in real life. Facebook.com slash The Standard PDX is where you can find them on what I like to call the Internet. Speaking of Portland, I have a couple of Portland stories for you. Portland, Oregon from KPTV. A defendant brings so-called evidence to Portland court that leaves the judge and jury shocked. Ricky Cheeks, 52, was in court on a misdemeanor disorderly conduct charge. As courtroom audio from the Oregonian shows, Cheeks brought in his own feces as evidence, claiming that he was being targeted in jail. Cheeks put the feces in an envelope full of legal papers and placed it on a desk in the courtroom. This fecal matter was left in my cell yesterday after I got back from court. So how am I supposed to protect myself, sir, from all these atrocities in this court system, said Cheeks. Judge Harry Hodson was clearly shocked to hear what Cheeks brought into his courtroom. For health reasons, I think we should remove the fecal matter from the desk, said Judge Hodson. Deputies took the envelope containing the feces out of the courtroom and disposed of them. Fox 12 learned Cheeks has a long criminal history and was diagnosed with schizophrenia in October, but a judge determined that he was competent to stand trial. Disorderly charges against him were dropped, but he's now facing drug charges in Washington County. Oh, God bless you, Oregon. God bless you, one and all. 
Here's a couple of things I like about this story. Probably just one, because I haven't thought out the rest of the sentence. The man's name is Cheeks, and he brought in poop. It's not a direct case of nominative determinism, but there is a certain amount of childhood humor in the fact that his name is Cheeks, and the things that, uh, the stuff that left twixt his cheeks uh, was the thing that uh, the story was brought to our attention. Ha ha ha, laugh, laugh, laugh. Congratulations, guys, we did it. Number two, <laughs> I just said number two, in a story about poop. Oh, Alex, your humor knows no ends and no beginning, really. Yeah, I don't really have a number two, I just thought it was a funny story. Moving on to the next story from Portland. We, uh, this may sound familiar to you. Um, oh, forget it. I was just kidding. There's no second story. The second story was somebody sent this to me, uh, uh, as a new story about somebody pissing in the Mount Tabor Reservoir. And, uh, as I just brought up the story to talk about it on the show, it's from 2011. It is the last time I talked about this story. Because I've been doing this show long enough that I could have talked about it in 2011. Though, to be fair, I don't think... I did. I did talk about it recently, though. Mount uh, Tabor Reservoir is where I get my water from, and um, they have it. It's an open-topped uh, um, reservoir, and uh, sometimes uh, uh, men using their penises and bladders will will uh, micturate into the water and uh, and cause all sorts of problems. Uh, those problems being there's now pee in my drinking water, which I frankly. I'm not a fan of, but I have a Brita filter, and I feel like that can really clean out just about any kind of pee. Um, I don't know about, like, legislatively actioned feces envelopes, but we'll find out. Also, envelopes, envelopes, just call the whole thing off. One more story for you, and then I'm going to end. And this will be a short one, as I promised. But this time, when I promise a short one, I'm actually going to do it. Uh, I mentioned that they may have found a hidden chamber in the um, King Tut's tomb, Tutankhamun. Uh, this is an update to that, and I'm going to read this to you and use my voice. Press announcement, radar scans reveal hidden chamber in Tutankhamun tomb with 90% certainty. Press conference held this morning in Luxor with Egyptian Antiquities Minister Mahmoud Head El-Damati repeatedly revealed... How did I fucking pronounce his name right and then fucked up on revealed? Mahmoud revealed the results of a three-day operation to scan behind the walls in the burial chamber of Tutankhamun. The official investigations were designed to test out the theory by archaeologist Nicholas Reeves that the tomb of Tutankhamun reveals two hidden chambers and that one of them is the final resting place of Queen Nefertiti. According to the minister, the scan showed that it's 90% likely that there is something behind the walls. The Minister of Antiquities in Egypt lodged high-tech analysis within the Boy King's tomb on November 4th. Initial blah, 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 blah. Three days of radar scans have now supported these initial findings. There is, in fact, an empty space behind the wall based on radar, which is very accurate. There is no doubt. We cannot say at this point, however, the size of the space behind the wall, Japanese radar specialist Hirokatsu Watanabe said. We have the data, but we must analyze it to understand. We're working in the Valley of the Kings, so we are expecting to find antiquities behind the wall. El Damati added, We can now say that we have to find behind the... Wait, we can now say that we have... This is a really awkward... What the fuck? I can't speak another language. Why am I making fun of this guy's English? We can now say that we have to find behind the burial chamber of King Tutankhamun another chamber, another tomb. Uh, yeah, so anyway... In Tutankhamun's uh, 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 tomb, 
There's two recesses that they found using thermal radar, and uh, it looks like there might be other tunes behind it. They say Nerfertiti because famously she was not found. Oh, why me? I just totally yawned on the show. Oh, heavens to Murgatory. I just, oh, I've never been more offended at myself. So, um, they, she, her burial place had never been found. Uh, famously, uh, Tutankhamun was the, I think, the son or the grandson of Akhenaten, the one who moved the capital of Egypt and tried to move to a monotheistic religious system in Egypt from the polytheism that they previously believed in. He wanted to worship Aten, uh, the kind of head solar deity, or just the solar deity. Uh, he, when he was killed, they knocked down all of his uh, pictures and moved the temple back and uh, moved the... Uh, capital back, I should say. And uh, so a lot of uh, the history around him is lost as well. So part of that is Nefertiti, who is his wife, daughter. I'm not sure. In fact, I may even have the story completely wrong. Someone can correct me. Please correct me. I'm just going to start saying things wrong so someone will talk to me at the Alex cast on Twitter. <laughs> that was actually a pretty good, like, smooth quoting thing. I, I'm pretty proud of myself. So, yeah, uh, that's, a, I don't know. It's a fun story. Whatever. I think it's pretty... Uh, neat. Uh, what else do I have to tell you? Oh, uh, as as well, all of you know, I I have a, a vast love of Stephen Fry, and I had read Douglas Adams's book, uh, which I don't remember the name of. It. I think it is also called Last Place to See. And by also, you're going to find out what that also references in just a moment. Last Chance to See, not Last Place to See. Last Chance to See was Douglas Adams in the well, late 70s, early 80s, uh, going around, maybe late 80s, now I think about it. doesn't matter. Going around with the cameraman and looking at, and Douglas Adams, if you don't know, wrote Hitchhiker's Galaxy. Going around and looking at uh, endangered species. You know, that's, that's the Last Chance to See. Um, and uh, taking pictures of it, he ended up writing a whole, you know, kind of book or series of articles about it. I don't know if it actually was in a book. I found a Douglas Adams collection at one point that was all audiobooks, and uh, it was being read. So I don't know if it was actually part of a book or a whole book. And I'm going to say the word book about six times more. So, Stephen Fry redid the trip with the same photographer that Douglas Adams went on. Stephen Fry being uh, was quite a great friend of Douglas Adams before he died. Probably still a great friend. It's just, you know, it's a very one-sided friendship. Uh, so he went, and it was a really great series, and I just watched it recently, and it's called Last Chance to See. It's all on YouTube, and it's Stephen Fry going with this uh, photographer fellow going to see various, um, you know, really endangered species. So he went to see um, the I.I. Uh, and the other uh, Madagascarian, or Madagascarese uh, animals. Uh, he went to see the, um, um, tried to see the... I think it's the Amazon River Dolphin. I get the... Yeah, let's just go with the Amazon River Dolphin. Uh, the Northern White Rhino. Um, some kind of whale. Blue whale. Um, and just a bunch of shit. Like, there's like nine episodes, but it's really fun. Uh, and, and Steven is such a engaging person. Oh, oh, uh, uh, um, some kind of uh, monkey-type thing that it, uh, that it wasn't from Madagascar. Like, proper monkeys, like chimpanzees or something like that. Um other stuff who, who cares why am i telling you this i'm saying that stephen fry this lovable man this this oxford accented delightful human being was was stuck in tents and pissing and moaning and going around and looking at beautiful things and it's really fun to watch so find it on youtube last chance to see i recommend it uh this is this ends alex's episode of alex recommends stuff randomly
that's it. We're done. That's this episode. I know it's a short one, but um, I wanted to put an episode out because uh, the next one I have coming up, uh, I, I likely have a guest. I mean, I've, I've confirmed this, but it's likely a guest. And that guest has not seen any of the TV that I have recently. Um, and I wanted to get that out because that will become, you know, out of date quite quickly. Oh, to add to my TV thing, finish this season of uh, Doctor Who, or at least the current episodes were... Um, Oh jeez! Oh, I can't do this without a without a spoiler. Uh, disappointing last few episodes. I'll leave it there. Uh, I, I don't want to give spoilers. Anything beyond that? Uh, the last scene of the episode where he's in the castle, and this is this is hints to people that watch that, and he shows up somewhere after the castle, was kind of stupid, frankly, because that episode was actually pretty brilliant. That episode is basically for people at home, and this is not spoiled. The whole episode is him, uh, is Doctor Who by himself, uh, Peter Capaldi. And uh, it's pretty masterfully done, really beautifully shot. It's pretty interesting, but kind of at the end. I mean, the end, ugh, it goes a little, ugh. It goes a little, ugh. That's the best I'm going to say for you. Ugh. So anyway, that's it. Those are, that's my TV updates. That's my AlexCast updates. And because I randomly referenced uh, earlier the song, we're going to end with uh, Iconopops. I love it. Why not? This is the beginning where they're talking to each other. I don't know. <laughs> But I